Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today, we have the honor to sit down with Tammy Lakey. Tammy helped launch the So Shine Foundation in Newton, Kansas, as well as Norm's Coffee Bar and The Porch. You can learn more about her at SoShineFoundation.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us. All right, I'm going to give it a space, and then I'll start with something. I'll figure it out. Start with Terry, not me. Because then Terry... Oh, I start... Oh, you start with me. Okay. Oh, well, it was always the ladies' first thing, but that's a southern thing, so I can start with Terry. All right, ready, Terry? Sure. Okay. Well, welcome. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's good to be with you guys. With me today is Terry in Austin, Texas. How's it going, Terry? Uh, let's talk about Brenna first. Hey, now. <laughs> per right, my request. Yes. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm yeah. doing fantastic. Brenna, how are you doing today? Yeah, come on, oh. Brenna. Let's make it all about you. Well, yeah, it's all about me. Uh, I'm doing well. It is a sunny day in the Pacific Northwest. And That's right, because you're in Albany, Oregon. I'm in Albany, Oregon. <laughs> Which every episode, we know exactly where we're all at I all know. the time. We never we're change. We're so good at this, you guys. We're yes. so good at this. Um, but it's sunny, and the the you know the time is coming to an end where it won't be sunny, and we won't see the sun until like next July. So that's crazy because it yeah. is raining cats and dogs here. Really? In Austin? Yeah. Mm. We just we flip flop the old uh, weather Welcome pattern. Welcome to my world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was fun. All right, but what I'm really excited <laughs> <Yes>. about <laughs> is this. I'm excited that we have Tammy Lakey with us from Newton, Kansas. Tammy, yeah. how are you doing? I'm so good today. Thank you. So glad you're with us. I promise we won't make this podcast about the weather or where yes. we're coming from. I mean, we so. need some rain here, so I would be okay with that. <laughs> right? Maybe send some good rain vibes this direction. So it's funny. So we used to talk about the weather, you know, with Brenna when we get on these meetings because we're in all these different time zones. And Brenna was like, why do people talk about the weather? Everybody in Oregon, it's always 55 and rainy or cloudy. That's it. That's the yeah. consistent weather all year round. <laughs> and we're like, wow, okay, we have these things called seasons here, but whatever. That's that's neither here nor I'm there. I'm the one that brought up the weather. You guys have had an effect on me. Yes, we have. Tammy, it's good to have you. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, my name's Tammy Lakey, and I am married to my sweet husband, Chris, for 28 years. We married right before we went to college, and... Yeah, and he's my best friend. And we have six children, a daughter-in-law, and we just had our very first grandchild five months ago, almost now. We have two biological children and four children through adoption. We adopted them through the program in China. And yeah, we're on the tail end of parenting. I think we've maybe got two or three years until we have an empty nest. And when you've been a stay-at-home mom slash mom been in the workplace for 26 years now, it feels a little daunting to imagine yeah. what that next step actually looks like. So we have a nonprofit here in Newton, and it's called So Shine Foundation. We just call it So Shine, and yeah, we're just doing a whole lot of mission and business and. Honestly, sometimes it's hard to find like the thread that runs through it, except for it's Jesus. So yeah. that's that's what we're doing. That's a pretty good thread. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good thread. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to have one, that's the one to have. I agree. Well, I agree. Well, definitely want to unpack what you're doing there. But first, okay, 
I know a lot of our listeners are going, oh, yeah, Newton, Kansas. I know exactly where that is. So tell us a little bit about Newton, Kansas. That was sarcasm if you didn't catch that, Brenna. They have that here in the South. Got it. I got it. So tell us a little bit about Newton, Kansas. So Newton, Kansas is just north of Wichita, about half an hour. And we are celebrating our 150th birthday this year as a a town. Our population is just right around 19,000 people. And it's been pretty consistent that number since I was born. I was born here, raised here, then moved away for a little while and have come back. And my husband and I just kind of, we love this town. And that didn't happen easily. That was an act of the Holy Spirit. That was a either an obnoxious in your face to God, or it was a, a genuine desire of my heart, depending on the day and perspective <laughs> of it. We yeah, we, we just, we love our town. We started back 150 years ago because of three things, the railroad, cattle, longhorn cattle drives, and winter wheat. And so we have a rich history of a lot of things. And we still press into that today because all of, well, I wouldn't say that the longhorn cattle probably still affect us, but, but the other two actually do affect the way we do life every single day in this town. Yeah. Wow. Are you guys on the Chisholm Trail? Do you know what that we is? Are. Okay, yep. yeah. Yep. So the Chisholm yep. Trail starts here in Austin. Yes. Yeah, yes. very cool. And it goes through here and goes up to Abilene. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay, very cool. No, nobody knows what you're talking about. Hey, Sorry, people, what's the Chisholm? Pe- you don't know what the Chisholm Trail is? I don't know what the Chisholm Trail is. I have not a clue. Brenda, do you know? I've heard of it, but Jeez. I couldn't tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so the Chisholm Trail is a very famous trail that goes from Texas. I think it goes out. Does It, it goes up uh, up to Montana. I so, think so yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's pretty far, but it was with the original cattle drives. They you know, they were cattle in Texas. They would go from Texas all the way up to the north, and the Chisholm Trail was like the the biggest uh, cattle drive trail. I think I'm I'm pretty sure it's the biggest one in America. I think so, and so too. All right, yeah. So there's a little cattle history for you on the Forge America Mission. <laughs> have podcast. you guys have you have you guys never watched Lonesome Dove? Nope, can't say as I have. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, that's like <laughs> that is like the greatest miniseries that ever was ever created. It's Alan, phenomenal. Terry's it's, gonna disown us as friends. Well, one, yes. Larry McMurtry wrote the books. The books are phenomenal. I don't, you know me and books. The books are amazing. And then it's Tommy Lee Jones and um, uh, the oh, who was the uh, from the Godfather? He was the uh, Robert Duvall. So it's like Robert Duvall and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. It is amazing. Lonesome Dove is amazing. But it okay. is like a cattle drive Texas to, you know, go to Montana and, you know, live the dream. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea about. what Tammy, we're talking about. Tammy, Tammy, Tammy's welcome. even like, I don't know. Yeah. Tammy, <laughs> if, if there's ever a moment that Terry can talk about a movie, he's going to. <laughs> okay. Um, but, and we love that. He brings all of those cultural references. Um, but what I'm understanding from this conversation is that you live on this trail cattle yes. is quite important um yeah. and it's a part well, of it the was at context. least 100 years ago yeah the, it, well it's a part of the context in which you right. are living out life and mission in jesus way to bring um, back to mission brenna Good. well i'm nice. i'm i'm trying nice. you know yeah. i'm trying um, so tammy you found yourself back in newton was in that process of moving back, was mission a part of that, or um, did did Jesus lead you in that way after already being in Newton? How did that that process come about? 
So for us, it was just a familiar place to be because I was born and raised here. So yeah, it wasn't missionally motivated at all. In fact, we were part of a traditional evangelical church for 22 years and counting. And, uh, you know, we're content to be part of a small group and take our kids to church on Sunday morning for Sunday school and do Bible school and, and all of the things. The, re- the, the reality or the truth is when I was a little girl, I, I felt like I had a missionary call on my life. I loved hearing the stories of missionaries in a foreign context. I loved Sunday night missions reports where missionaries from around the world would come and share their stories. And um, I just soaked all of that up. And my dad still remembers me at some point going forward and just saying, God, I'll go wherever. So yeah, it wasn't missions that motivated us here. So the story continues really with after the adoption of our children, we really believed that God was going to just fling the door open to us going overseas. We had put our yes on the table and we said, God, you can send us anywhere. We'll go to Asia because we are familiar with that and work with orphans. Or if you want to send us to West Africa or, you know, whatever. And God very clearly said, I want you to stay in Newton (laughs) and (laughs) to have the dream of going and being told very clearly from the Holy Spirit that we were to stay uh, made me a very cranky and angry person for a while, honestly. <laughs> and I remember a day driving home from Wichita, and I had kind of rounded this overpass into Newton towards our house. And I remember just saying very uh, boldly to God, like, if you're going to leave me stuck here, can you at least make me love this place? Mm. He has done that. Mm-hmm. And he he started doing that almost immediately. I suppose I could have dug my heels deep, but I don't even want to imagine what that life would look like because yeah. the life that we get to live right now is such an adventure and so full of joy and purpose that I wouldn't want anything else. So this kind of praying and asking the Lord to give you a love for your, your hometown, for Newton, is that where you felt more of a missional incarnational view of being a missionary, like, hey, I can actually be a missionary to this place. Is that where that developed? Or was it a little more time before that kind of came in? I think it was a little bit more time. Automatically, my, like my story, because I was in the church, my thought was, okay, if I'm going to love my place, then I'm going to be the first person to sign up to be on like the missions team. And we're going to do like missions activity in the church building. And there was a season where I was given like some permission maybe uh, by the leadership of my, my church at that time to pursue some things, but their paradigm had not shifted yet. And so it really just became like a tug of war. Like they would see success in some of the things that I was leading. Like an example of something was we had celebrated the interstate opening back up right by our church. And I suggested like, maybe we have this big block party with our actual neighborhood around the church because it, it, it stunted our growth as a community for a very long time. And it was very inconvenient. And what if we invited all of our neighbors, 500 households to come and join us at the church for a party. And we mobilized 
so many people in our church to go door to door and to invite people to come. And we had probably 1,200 people from our neighborhood Mm -hmm. come join us that day. And our church just celebrated that. But then the next year, like, let's do a block party again. But maybe we tell people to invite their neighbors to the church for this big block party. And I kind of pushed back on that. And I just said, I feel like if we're going to invite our neighbors, then we need to be doing lots of block parties in our Mm -hmm. neighborhoods because, you know, and, and it's neither here nor there, but it became very clear that we were just going two different directions. Yeah. So in a way that I feel like so many apostolic voices in the church end up, I felt like I was being pushed to the margin and that in order for me to fully pursue what I knew God was calling me to, I was going to have to step step outside of the church mm-hmm. to be able to pursue that. Uh, that's heartbreaking. That yeah, is absolutely yeah. a gut punch. Yeah. And it's just so common a story, you know. Yep. So how, like you're feeling that push out to the margins, you know that Jesus is calling you to something. What does that process look like? Uh, you're in that, you're in that kind of liminal space. You're in that tension. How do you go from that tension to, and we, we need to share the story of what you're doing now, but tell us that process of stepping out on your own and, and moving forward. So um, my aunt, and I think that all of you know her, Linda Burquist, mm-hmm. she works with Southern Baptist. She's a church planting catalyst there in uh, the Bay Area. She saw me and called out in me something I didn't even know about myself. And she said, Tammy, I think you're an apostle. And I was like, I don't know what that actually means, but okay. And I'm going to go research what that actually means now. Mm-hmm. And in part of that, she said, hey, why don't you come volunteer at Exponential with me? And I'll, you can stay in my hotel room with me and my friend. And and I went and I was kind of like, I don't want a church plant. Like <laughs> I still was in a missionary mindset that said, there is a church on every corner here. And there are people on the other side of the planet who've never even heard the name of Jesus. Like I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And I think that attending Exponential for the first time it wasn't that I found necessarily the the like the avenue, but in my mind, I started kind of crossing the two together. Like, what does it look like to be a missionary and plant the church and uh, and plant the church, not plant a church? And so yeah. and I think that that's that was the direction that God was leading me on. And then it was really Throughout that year, in fact, when I met Terry the first time was at a thing in Kansas City with Lance and Brad and Hugh Halter had come in to do like a little one off free workshop. And I was like there for it because it was free. (laughs) But but I I don't even know what it was that he said. But as I drove home from that workshop, I just thought, you know what, I could mobilize people to be missionaries. And then just trust that the Holy Spirit's work in their life would send them wherever Mm. he wanted them to go. And so I think it was just more and more stepping into that that led us to maybe what I would call not a crisis point, but it was definitely a a wake up call to us. And again, I went to my aunt and I just said, "Okay, so what do I do? Mm. And her suggestion was so incredibly simple. And she said, how about you just run an experiment? And mm-hmm. if if you talk with me even today and the things that we're doing in Newton, I'm like, we're just going to run an experiment. And if it works, great, we'll go with it. And if it doesn't work, we learn and we move on. But she suggested running a Jesus experiment. And it was so simple. She said, what if you just did what he said? 
<laughs> I mean, it seemed simple enough, but what what that led to was us moving into a different neighborhood, a neighborhood that had had a much higher poverty rate. It meant that we were pulling our children out of the private Christian school that we'd been part of for 13 years and putting them into our public school system here in Newton. And it meant slowing down and just having the posture of a listener and a learner, asking questions, not only of the Holy Spirit, but also asking questions of my neighbors and of the people in my town. And I think before we really even understood what was happening, we realized that we were being called as missionaries to our town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if we had gone to Asia, we would have done some very obvious things. Like our kids would have like made friends with the neighbors and they would have gone to the school. And we as adults would have found out like, where's the market that we get these things at. And we would have asked around to just get to know our, our context. We would have learned a new language, lots of things that we would have done. So why not just do that here? So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how the whole missionary adventure kind of started for our family. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So that's taken you to right now what you are doing in Newton. So the SoShine Foundation and the Norm's Coffee, which you got to explain where the name came from, at least as part of it. <laughs> oh, well, here's the thing. If you only understood how many cross points I've had with Forge without even knowing it. So Norm's Coffee Bar actually started, I think it was 11 years ago. And it was actually started by a gentleman named Robert Palmer. And he was working with um, like a church planting coach whose name happened to be Lance Ford. Hmm. And Lance helped him to launch a church right alongside this coffee shop ministry. And as a family, we were at Norm's all the time. In fact, like my husband and I, everybody has that dream of starting a coffee shop. I don't know why we have that dream. Maybe it's because we watched Friends and we were like, Central Park, this is awesome. <laughs> like, it's it's awesome. But but we knew that we were not going to start a coffee shop in Newton because we already had a really good one. And we just were faithful customers in, in that space. Did find out that the reason that he named it Norms was because of this old Focus on the Family film, A Man Called Norman. And um, the, right. the film the film is about a man who was just very, very lonely and didn't have connection with anybody in his community. He was just very misunderstood. And so the vision of the Palmers and the church planting team at the time was just to provide a coffee bar space that would welcome a man named Norm mm-hmm. into the space mm-hmm. and just love him and, and walk life with him. So that's where the name yeah. Norms came from. That's awesome. So here's what's interesting, because I don't think you have that story anywhere on your website, because I was looking, I'm like, where did Norm come from? I got to understand where Norm, and the only thing I could come up with was Cheers and the the Norm character, you know, Norm, hey, but it's the same thing, right? Yes. So actually, um, Alan Hirsch and I even want to say Michael Frost have written about Norm's in uh-huh. their books. Uh, the Shaping of Things to Come, I know, definitely has the story of Norm's Coffee Bar in Newton yeah. before we even bought it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it was a beautiful handoff. Like it's as if they passed the baton to us. And I don't even really know how to jump into that story. But there's obviously a point where it went from being owned by Robert Palmer to being owned by SoShine Foundation. I love what you just said, too, you know, that 
we had a dream of starting a coffee bar, but there already a great one existed. So we didn't, we just got to come alongside what already existed. And Mm -hmm. there's so much kingdom mindset in that, that we, you know, we don't need to come in and create everything. We get to come alongside. That's just really, really beautiful. So talk to us about SoShine Foundation and, and what it is that you're, you're getting after there in Newton. So actually, SoShine Foundation is a global nonprofit that we actually started back in 2011. And we started it so that we could come alongside orphanages in China and just support our brothers and sisters over there that were following the, the James 127 mandate to care for orphans and widows. And we felt like the best people to make disciples of Chinese young people are Chinese followers of Jesus. And so we just literally came alongside them and supported them. Uh, in 2016, we were beginning to feel like as as God was drawing our heart t- closer to Newton, we thought maybe our nonprofit needs to grow and change a little bit. And so our board restructured our bylaws and renamed it to be So Shine Foundation. And as a global nonprofit that could work anywhere, we would actually also be able to work here in Newton. And so that that paperwork was actually finished in December of 2016. And then 2017, January, like the third week, everything just started falling in place in such a way that it was it was miraculous. And there was absolutely no doubt in any of our minds that God had gone before us and did the work. Yeah, that's great. So give us a little snippet of how that transition happened from, you know, from somebody you just being a patron to you now being the owner of Norms. Okay. I had been previously for a little over a year walking around our neighborhood and really believed that what God was showing me was that we should open some kind of an after-school program in our neighborhood for the elementary students that lived in our neighborhood. And we had this great little building around the corner and it just made so much sense to us. But after a year of walking the neighborhood, praying for my neighborhood, praying for this building and doors just not opening, I had met with my missional coach um, at the time. And she said, Tammy, maybe the reason nothing's happening with that building is because what God has for you to do is not for your neighborhood, but for your entire community. Mm-hmm. And that meeting was, that was the day after the inauguration in 2017, And, um, I went home and I told my husband, like, this is what she said. I don't know. Tuesday. So literally three days later, my daughter, Ashley, who was at the time working for Norm's coffee bar, that also was housing a a pizza place in the same space. Robert had added pizza a few years before that. She came home from work and she said, Hey mom, I think that Robert might be interested in separating Norm's from back alley. And I immediately thought, I wonder if our nonprofit could buy norms and that could be what funds the space that we're able to do an after-school program in. And we went and talked to him on Friday. So six days after my friend said, maybe it's for your whole town. And we pitched the idea to Robert, like he has been a mentor and mission and ministry to me ever since those early days of norms. And we said, Robert, what if, what if we, we make this a model for ministry that funds what we're doing, but is also something that contributes to the flourishing of our town and is easily replicable so that other people, when they hear about how we're doing this, might be able to take some ideas and be able to run with it to do something in their own community. And so 
I don't know, even the way it happens, it's ridiculous. But it's also such a beautiful story. The next week, we went to look at a building about renovating it and asked a contractor friend to come look at it with us. And she said, hey, you know, like, we'll come look at that. But would you mind going across the street with us and looking at a building that we've been thinking about buying to see if that might fit what you need? And we looked at that building and it was beautiful. It was huge. And they agreed to buy the building, do the renovation, and then charge us the rent that would kind of make up for the renovation. So we saved ourselves probably six to 12 months of fundraising to be able to do the renovation because their heart was aligned already with a vision to reach the community. Yeah, July 31st of 2017 is the day that we owned Norm's Coffee, or we opened the doors of Norm's Coffee Bar on Main Street, which was literally just a block around the corner from the previous location. That was just over five years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us the ways that that you're doing that. So you're talking about this after school program. What are the ways that you guys are contributing to the flourishing of Newton? So uh, Norms is actually just a half a block away from our community's one fifth and sixth grade center. So in Newton, we have five elementary schools and they feed into one fifth and sixth grade center that is then one seventh and eighth grade center and then the high school. So in Newton, fifth through 12th grade, they're together that whole time. So fifth graders will sit right next to the same kids at graduation at the end of their senior year. And we just saw that, you know, kindergarten through fourth graders, they're going to be after school with a babysitter and seventh graders through high school easily can be at home maybe causing some trouble, but there's this weird time where you're not quite a little kid anymore, but you're also not quite old enough to be responsible by yourself. And, and so we just thought if we opened up norms and just invited the students to come hang out after school, it'd be a safe place for them to hang out until their parents got off work. And in providing that space, we would have an opportunity to be able to give a cup of cold water and a snack And maybe bring in people from the community that cared that could serve as mentors. And so from the very first day of school in 2017, which was just a few weeks after we opened the coffee shop, we started welcoming students into the space. And before COVID hit, we were giving out 125 snacks every day. The population of the fifth and sixth grade at that school is only about 450. So we... We are impacting a lot of kids, but in turn, a lot of families every week. During COVID, we, man, (laughs) we had to pivot. There's like a line I've never heard before, but we were trying to run a coffee shop that had seating reduced greatly because it was a restaurant, but we were also having a lot of students that still needed a place to be after school. And in frustration, I remember just praying like, okay, God, Stop bringing so many kids. We do not have space for them. And I just, you know how the Holy Spirit sometimes just like knocks you upside the head and you're like, oh, I just definitely sensed that he was saying, how about you just prepare for more? So we sought out a businessman here in Newton who had a space that he'd been trying to sell. And I just said, hey, for the rest of the school year, can we just like pay utilities for that space? and let our kids be in that space after school, and then they could spread out. I felt like we could provide a little bit more social distancing, and it could be a safer option while we still were serving the mission that we felt like God had called us to. And he was great. He was like, yeah, absolutely. And 
we started moving a block away from each other. So literally Norm's is a block from the porch and still only the porch is only a half a block away from that, that fifth and sixth grade school. So we started bringing our things down to the porch and it became clear pretty quickly that I did not want to leave this space. (laughs) Like, because my imagination had been sparked about different things that we might be able to use the space for. But yeah, we ran the after-school program the rest of the year. That year, that was the school year of 2021, ended in May of 2021. So we, we finished the school year in in the space. Yeah, it, it, it actually sparked an imagination in me to, to like see what else we could maybe do in that space and how we could utilize the relationships we were already building with the families of our after-school students in doing that. Okay, so Tammy, tell us about the porch, because now you've got norms and now you've got the porch. What's happening there? I would say that the porch is just the hub of all the the ministry activities, the outreach activities that we do. The director of norms, Ashley, would definitely say there's still ministry happening there. So that is a curated third place. And we welcome probably 1,500 unique customers into that space every week. So we're bringing a lot of people to our downtown yeah, it's a beautiful ministry that's happening there. But what people would normally recognize as being outreach is happening at the porch. We still have um, our after-school program. Every day that our district is in school, we open the doors to the porch from three to five. And we still provide that free snack and a cup of cold water. We still have mentor volunteers that come in and just invest in our kids like helping our students actually see that they have a place in our community and that they add value and that we just wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that we do most here at the porch, but we have also added um, towards the, the end of the lockdown, the beginning of kind of trying to figure out what it looked like to live in this world post COVID. We began an initiative called the table and it is a weekly community dinner on Wednesday nights it's free. Anybody can come. We have a bunch of round tables set up and people just grab their plate and they sit at a table. And we have found the most amazing thing happens when you sit across the table from somebody you don't know. You look for what you have in common with that person, not what divides you. And during a time when we were so politically divided, to, it was refreshing to see people like trying so hard to connect with somebody out of maybe awkwardness, to be honest, but you look for what you have in common. And so we've been doing that for almost a year and a half. We served 280 people last week. It's not about numbers. Like I never want to be the butts, bucks and buildings person. But however, what God's doing is a beautiful thing. And we just get to watch it and constantly ask him, like, how can we be part of that? When When we're getting ready to open the doors on a Wednesday night to welcome people into our space, I remind them and we pray like, God, we know that you're at work in the lives of every single person that's going to walk through the store tonight. Would you open our eyes so that we can see what you're doing and how you might be inviting us to be part of what you're doing in that person's life today? And it just puts our posture in such a, a way of not only serving but also just like so aware, like, God, what, how do you want to use me tonight? Maybe, maybe the way he wants to use us is just simply putting the food on the plate and giving a smile to somebody. But we've seen fruit be well beyond that at the table. And then 
probably about three weeks ago, we launched our newest initiative here at the porch and it's called the porch pantry. It's a community refrigerator project. Basically what we did is we just provided the space and the refrigerator and the electricity. And we opened the doors from eight to five every day, Monday through Friday, and then sometime on Saturday. And we let the community bring things to donate and we let the community come and take what they need. And it's a beautiful picture of mutual aid. Like it's our, it's, it's literally our town caring for our town. I think in our town that is probably 75 to 85% unchurched, it's an opportunity for people to respond to that, like that seed that's in all of us that wants to love our neighbor gives people an opportunity to do that. We take for granted in the church that we can easily find a program or find something that we can do that in. But for an unbeliever who's not yet a follower of Jesus to respond to that call in their life to love their neighbor, it's, it's simple for people to pick up a gallon of milk, but it's also the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life because it's, that's like a signpost of the kingdom. Like, <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's the most amazing thing. I literally am having the time of my life because we're just watching Jesus do so many amazing things. So I'm hearing you say over and over again, like you said, uh, we got norms. And then a few weeks later, there were already young kids in there. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I got a coffee shop, I'd be like, I'm not ready for those kids to come in, (laughs) you know, like instantly swinging open the doors. And then we're giving, we're giving the space, the the refrigerator space and electricity, but trusting that somebody else is going to fill that up. And, And so what I'm hearing you say is that you're just creating the space and trusting the Holy Spirit to go to work and watching the Holy Spirit work. Like I'm hearing that over and over. And what you're doing is you are literally holding space and then watching the Holy Spirit work. That's absolutely phenomenal. Tammy, in that process for other people who are listening, how would you encourage them in in what you've seen happen and in, in the blessings of just creating space? Well, I think that goes hand in hand with what Alan asked me to talk a little bit about earlier was just coaching people. And mm-hmm. like, I can tell our story. And I do think that story does spark imagination, which is why I do love sharing the story of what God's doing here. But I would, I would and do just always encourage people to not be in a rush. Because I feel like, like we've been doing this since 2014. And we just launched our very first discovery Bible study, like three months ago. And not that we haven't had like spiritual conversations, but it was like, I don't know. And in Ephesians four, like we talk about like at just the right time (laughs) and and it just feels like it's just the right time now, but it was a long work. It was a, I think that people that are not yet followers of Jesus, they can see through, they can see through our fakeness. They see us pulling into a neighborhood to feed people. And it's probably out of a genuine desire to love people, but to see somebody move into the neighborhood and like, build relationships and then just kind of see where the Holy Spirit leads. That's, that's a different thing that the reality is the favor that God has given us in this community, especially with our school district, you cannot manufacture that. You cannot force that. You have to like ease into that. And people all the time, like our school superintendent of our entire school district contacted me through an email on a Saturday morning and said, Hey, I want to commit 
one day a week that we from the district office will send somebody to volunteer at your after school program. And I just like that doesn't even make sense, except for it's a long work and we've earned their trust and God has given us favor in their eyes. And man, I like when I think about the 53 churches in my community and what they would do to have that kind of favor with uh, the school district, like they won't, they don't get it because they don't get it. And yet he has just opened up that favor on us in this space. Yeah. The thing I love about your story, it reminds me of a friend of mine here in Texas in San Antonio, Charlie Fultz. He's, he, he uh, does essay San Antonio, essay Hills, slow boogies, root beer, which is his for-profit business. Uh, It's the best root beer in the world. And he does these, all these cool things, but when you're telling, when I hear your story and when I'm reminded of your story, it reminds me of what he's doing there. And it's all based in this idea of simple acts of kindness. And I love how you said over and over again, just a cold cup of water. And it's Matthew 10. It's, it's this idea that when we offer something just as simple as a cold cup of water, see how God uses that to do amazing things. And I see so many people in the church planting world, and, and we haven't even mentioned this, but Linda, your aunt is like the OG in the church planting world. I don't know, Alan, if Brenna, if you know who Linda is, if you're a church planter, you know who Linda is. She is phenomenal. She's like who I want to be when I grow up. She's she's <laughs> amazing. But the, like the key to church planting is it's it's this it's the simple cold cup of water and then letting God shine in the giving of that and then yeah. watching how he opens up all of these things. And so it doesn't have to be, and, and I hear so many church planters, they're trying to come up with these over-the-top, grandiose kind of missional church planting initiative things. We're going to do this and this and this. And it's like, guys, just give a cold cup of water, a snack, and create space for kids to be, and do it faithfully, and just watch how God blesses it. And so I love the story of the porch. I'm just absolutely enthralled with it. I think we need... We need a porch in every community around the country because it is simple, but makes a huge impact. And what it requires more than anything, which I think is probably the hardest thing, is just a faithfulness. It's just being faithful over a long period of time saying, God, you've called me to do this. This is where you've placed me. I'm going to be faithful in this moment. Well, Tammy, knowing that you're a highly apostolic person, all this good stuff that you're doing in Newton, I know that there's a probably an itch in you for more. So what does that more look like for you right now? Honestly, I chased after and tried to create a structure that would give me the opportunity, give us the opportunity to tell the story in a very formal kind of a way, you know, like let's create a, a workshop or something. But what I'm finding is that somehow people are hearing what's happening and they're reaching out to me and they're just saying, Hey, what does this look like for us? And usually that starts with just a phone call or a zoom meeting where we can just sit and they can share why they're reaching out in the first place. And then I can kind of share a little bit of our story where it intersects appropriately what they're, what they're doing. I lately more and more people have been like, can I come to Newton and see what you're doing And honestly, that's probably the best use of time and energy and resources is just to invite them to come alongside us as we just do what we're doing and to teach that way. That's how that's how I disciple people 
And, and that's how, that's how I teach very well is just to pull people alongside me. And so we have some people coming in the next month or so that I've never met that have just, just want to see what God is doing here. I think that we have a vision that's pretty loose at this point, but our, our desire is that we would create more space for people to come and do that so that um, it's easy for them to come and do that, whether that's for a couple of days or that's for a week or maybe even like a summer, extended summertime for maybe college and young adult ages. But as far as like a very detailed like workbook or whatever, like it's, it's not me. I can't even force that. I tried and that's not my nature. But to say, come along and let's talk about your town. You tell me about your town. I'll tell you about mine. And maybe we can figure out something. I, I am not, I'm not foolish enough to think that everybody needs a coffee shop. Now we have helped start a few coffee shops, including one in Russia and a couple here in town, one in, or in the state. We have one in Wichita that we helped start. We have one out in a town of 300, Maxville, that we helped start. But it could just as easily be a daycare center because that's what the community needs. And, and our goal in kind of coaching is just like, what is, what does your town need? Like where does the need intersect what you, what your gifts are? I, Brad used to always kind of coach me in the like, we look for where God's at work. And then we say, given my gifts and my resources, how can I be part of that? And so I, I use that phrase a lot with people. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just go, okay, where's the need? How can I be part of that? And then that's where the intersection happens. Uh, Tammy, thank you so much for uh, just jumping on and sharing your story. And again, there, I mean, gosh, we didn't even get, we barely scratched the bucket. Uh, I don't think scratched the bucket. I think you just made that up there. I I like it. I just made that up. We we, we didn't even scratch the bucket, girl. Um, But uh, your story is, it's just a story that I've just, I've loved kind of watching from afar uh, here in Texas and what you're doing up in in Kansas. And I know you've had all these interactions with uh, Forge America through Lance and Brad and Howard and Kathy Wagler and and all of the, those sorts of things and I know Linda is just a long long time friend of Al and Deb and and so uh, your family has, is definitely we 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 definitely feel this is part of the tribe and so we're so excited to have you on to be able to tell your story and your story is like just getting started and I can't wait to hear uh, more and I know there's a a book early 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 in the process so uh, we were championing you on and cheering you on as you write that and. Just keep up the good work. And so thank you so much for, for joining us today. And man, uh, super excited. Let me say, let me, do, let me do this real quick. If someone was like, I need to talk to Tammy, I want to get some coaching. Uh, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Best way is just email, I would say. Okay. And it's just TammyLakey at gmail.com. Yeah, that's the best way. Very cool. So T-A-M-I-L-A-K-E-Y at gmail.com yes perfect all right and we'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well so awesome tammy thank you so much we really appreciate it love your voice love your story yeah thank you thank you thank you for listening to the forge america missional podcast forge america cultivates practitioners who join the mission of god if you'd like to know more about us feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com All right, scratch the bucket. (laughs) 
the bucket, man. We just scratched in the bucket, man. Scratch the bucket. I'm using that. He's been out with those longhorns too long. Check your trail. You know what? But maybe. Maybe it's don't the, criticize because isn't Alan Hirsch really famous for his it's not rocket surgery? <laughs> it's not rocket surgery, that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. he that said is, that. That so, somewhat I mean, makes the, sense. <laughs> like, I could figure that one out, but scratch the bucket. Scratch. scratch <laughs> no, it's it's two. It's, it's scratched yep. the surface. We've barely scratched the surface, and we've barely gotten to the, the bottom the of the bucket. Oh, I thought you were going to say kick the bucket. <laughs> no, not kick the bucket. It's like we, we, we didn't so, even get to the right. bottom of the bucket. We just barely got to the, you know, so yeah. it's scratched the bucket. Scratching right. the bucket, it makes it's perfectly cromulent, and so 